Okay, we're going to talk now about the concept of paskening from a dream, making halachic rulings based upon uh, what was revealed to someone apparently in a dream. This class is dedicated by the Trapedo family in honor of my completion of my Yadin Yadin program in 770. Thank you very much. Family much bracha and atzlacha. Okay, so... We, we have to preface with the concept that psak halacha, making a halachic ruling, is something that there is a methodology to it. There's a standard processes of how Torah is dedu- uh, how we make Torah deduction, how we come to halachic rulings, and uh, this is not the place for that. It's a whole long topic of its own, but we will say that there is a systematic way of how to make halachic rulings. And we also have Nisora, we have tradition, that's part of Torah Shabal Peh. Ultimately, much of this stuff would then be discussed in Gemara, Mishnah, and the like. But um, it's not something, but, but, but that is the process of general Psach Halacha. Now, the Gemara in Timura, Andaf 16a, says that when they were mourning over the passing of Moshe Rabbeinu, 3,000 halachas were forgotten during the mourning process of the Yisrael were mourning over Moshe. The Jewish people said to Yoshua, they said, Sha'al, they had him ask. What does it mean, ask? So the Rabbeinu Gershom explains that he should ask with Ruach HaKodesh, that he should try to use his divine spirit to find out the 3,000 forgotten halachas. What did Yoshua respond? He says, Torah lo b'shamayimhi. The Torah is not in heavens. Thus, his answer was that that's not a method of how I would be able to get the Torah. And the Gemara even goes on to say that there were other great leaders who they did the same thing to when they asked them to find out the forgotten or halachas that we didn't know. Like they went to Shmuel and others as well. And the answer was that the Torah is not in the Shemaim and they cannot do that. In other words, even if they were to give over some sort of, uh, we, we wouldn't accept, we wouldn't be able to accept in any ways. So now, what we see from here is, is that once the Torah is given at Har Sinai, the sages of each generation, they have to determine halacha based upon their understanding, based on the systems of how the Torah is deduced, and not have heavenly instructions or prophecy to give us halachas. I will also demonstrate this with the Gemara in Bava Mitzia on 59b, uh, where it tells us uh, this concept that the Torah is Loba Shamaim, is not in the heavens. There's an argument between Rabbi Lezer and the Chachamim regarding the status of purity of an oven. And the, the, the Rabbi Lezer wanted to say that it was pure, meaning that in times of Besamegish, when they kept Tuma and Tara and all those matters, so it was, re- it was important. To, he, he said that the, this oven was pure and the foods that would touch it would be pure and a Kohen wouldn't become tummy, etc. And the Chachamim argued, and they had their reasonings why it's, it's Tameh. Rabbi Lezer, the whole Gemara goes in a very interesting debate there, but Rabbi Lezer then said, after trying to convince them with all these miraculous signs, that the manipulation of nature will prove that he's correct. Afterwards, they didn't accept it. Afterwards, he says to them, if the Allah is like me, so then uh, the Shemayim, the heaven's going to prove it. And Abbasko, the Gemara says, that a heavenly voice came out, emerged, and it says... Why are you arguing with Rabbi Elazar? The Allah is like Rabbi Elazar in every place. So Rabbi Yoshua, who was on the side, of course, with the majority, with the Chachamim, and he stood on his feet and he said, Torah is lo b'shamayim, it's not in the heavens. 
Um, so what does this mean that it's not Bishmaim? So Rabbi Yirmiyah, Nekamura continues, he says, the Torah was already given at Harsinai, um, and we do not listen to Baskals, we don't pay attention to them, and, and, and like the Torah was already written at Harsinai in the Torah, thus we cannot, we cannot change that. On Achri Ram Lahatis, we have to follow the majority. And the majority, of course, was the Chachamim. And thus, afterwards, the Gemara says, they put Rabbi Eliezer in the Cherim for not following after them. And again, we see that even though he had some heavenly voice saying the Halachas like him, we ignore it. Now, the question comes, we have some poskim, as we will discuss now, where they have had reve- revealed dreams, to the, um, sorry, they've had Halachic, I guess, rulings that were ve- revealed to them in dreams. I'm not going to go through all of them, but some of them. Most famous, perhaps, would be the Sefer Shailovichu is Minashamai, which is the responses that came from heaven. It was assumedly attributed to a 12th century Rabbi Yaakov Marvis of France. I say assumedly because there were some opinions that want to say it was Rabbi Tam, but in the Sefer from the Chida, Shem um, Hagdelim, he refutes that. And most say that it was Rabbi Yaakov Marvis of, of Marvis of, from France, one of the Balitesis. Anyways, in that Sefer, he has many short shuvas where he asks the question and he gets an answer. Apparently, either it was written on some paper that he then looked at and it was under his pillow or so, or, or some so, it was a revelation to him. And, um, and I said, how, how, can, that, can that fit with halacha? It would be such a thing like this. So the Paiskim have written extensively about this, if we can rely on Psaq halacha that was revealed to these holy poiskim, we're not talking about regular people, these are people on high levels, obviously, and let's just say with Shiloh Chus Minashamayim, where they're, again, as we said, their halachas were revealed to them in the dream. Can we follow that after the fact that we know that the Torah, Lo B'Shamayim, the Torah is not in heavens, and in my, and um, as we said also in the past, we mentioned the dreams, Lo Ma'ilin V'Lo Marinin, like the Gemara in Sanhedrin 38 says, that dreams don't help or nor hurt, and the Rambam, te, and, and this is, maybe is the strongest uh, proof against, is from the Rambam in Hilchas Yisardei Torah. The Rambam is talking about uh, how, you know, we have an obligation to listen to a Navi, a prophet. But on the other hand, there are certain rules that the prophet, the Navi himself, has to keep. So if obviously he was to say to go against the Torah, that would be forbidden and you can't listen to him. We know that. The Rambam in chapter 9 of Yisardei Torah, Allah Chafor, says that if the Navi was akar davar midvarim, that he uprooted something that was something that we at least learned from the Torah Shabbat. Or he says, Or that he says that such and such is the law regarding a particular instance and the decision follows a certain opinion. How? How does he know? Because Hashem told him. So, um, uh, right? The Rambam rules that this person is automatically a false prophet. They should be executed through strangulation. And this wouldn't make a difference. Even if the guy were to later perform wonders, we wouldn't be able to accept it because Torah Lo The Kesef Mishnah on that Rambam uh, goes on to explain that even though, let's just say that his decision was correct halachically, nonetheless, since he claims that his conclusion, he reach this decision was different from the method of the standard process of deducing halacha, but not through that method, but rather through his prophetic means. So that would be a sign of a false prophet. So then what could be the basis? Going back to our question, what could be the basis that could be any validity of a psaq, a halachic ruling that could come through a dream? So as I mentioned, the Sefer Shem Hagdolim from the Chida, 
So in, in on the on the topic called Rabbeinu Yaakov Hachasid, over there he uh, brings this. Uh, this is the person who is attributed to the author of the Shalav Tshuvas Minishamayim, and he says as follows. He says, listen. He starts off at length explaining that that it would be prohibited to follow psak that came through a dream based on all the uh, reasons that we said. However, he brings that if, and this is the important point, if there is no halachic status quo ruling on this, meaning that the poskin are up in the air on this, uh, some say this, some say that, and there is no wide-held consensus opinion on the matter, and it's, it's still, uh, as they say, uh, you know, being debated, so then... There is, he says, he brings the idea that one could, one could, is allowed to ask Minashamayim to receive an answer in a dream. They're allowed to, obviously, if they were such a high level. And one of the proofs that is mentioned is the Gemara in Eruvin 13b, which says that Beis Hillel and Beis Hashamah argued for three years, back and forth, back and forth. Each one had many Talmidim, back and forth, until a Baskal came out and said, that Elu Velo Devil Kim Chaim, both of these are the views of the word of Hashem, meaning they have tr- truth and Torah to them. And the halacha is Kebeis Hillel, but the halacha follows Beis Hillel. And then the Gemara brings there a reason why, do, why is it that the Baskal apparently have favored, why do, why do we favor the view of Beis Hillel? Because they were humble and they were modest and they present the opinion of Beis Sham before their own. We also find a concept, and this is also brought down from the the Shem um, from the Chida, that the, sometimes when the Rav would argue with the Rambam, he would say Ruach Hakodesh Ophir bebeit midrashenu that there was some sort of Ruach Hakodesh, a divine spirit that appeared in midrash, and therefore they argue with him. So, based on that, we see that the reason that the only way we could explain that uh, it's possible to have some sort of baskal, or in this case, the, what the Ravid says, whether he meant it literally or not, must be as follows. Because really, the halacha was in the air. There was no clear ruling. It was still uh, being decided. And there's uh, arguments on both sides. And there is no majority fallen by Amisol or by the consensus of the Gedolia Poskim. And since it was equal grounds in either direction, there is a possibility that one could maybe have be inclined to what would be revealed to a great poskim or so in a dream. With that, the ruling that came to the poskim in the dream, and it fits with logic and with all the proofs that could be anyways accepted by Torah, uh, Torah systematic ruling, so then that could work. However, the Shem Agdalim concludes, he says, but nonetheless, even if, even if it wasn't conclusive and, 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 and finally the, the, the poster who had the dream seemed to uh, have uh, something which gave it on the upper side of his argument, but nonetheless, if someone were to later argue with that, that would be fine because as we said, Torah lo b'shamayim the Torah is not in the heavens. Now, there is an interesting, um, one of the Rishonim is called the Or Zerua, and he wrote um, in his introduction that he had a question on the name Akiva. How should the name Akiva be spelled? We spelled, and basically everybody starts on Ayin Kuf Yud, Vez, and then does it finish with an Aleph or a He, Akiva. Now, it's not a Hebrew name, so therefore at the end, usually you don't have to put a He at the end. Hebrew names, they you know, finish with a He. But in any case, he said he had a dream, and it was revealed to him that the name should be spelled with a He at the end with Vez Hay at the end, and he said, based on the Pasuk, or Zarua Letzadik Simcha. This is a Pasuk uh, that we say, 
And in it, if you look at the last letter of Or, Zarua, Let Sadiq, Vilish Lev Simcha, the last letters will spell Resh, and then Akiva, Rebbe Akiva, and the last letter Simcha is with a Hey, thus revealing to him that the letter Hey should be how to spell the Akiva. And he says, even forget, that would be the way how they should spell the name Akiva if that was the name of the husband or so, or the father of the wife, or whatever. The Taz and Shemus Anashim in Hilcha Shulchanarach of Nazar Simon 129 also brings that down. Interestingly, the Rebbe in Igris Kodesh, volume 14, page 104, uh, was apparently, I guess, asked on this question of the spelling of the name Akiva. And the Rebbe, the way I understand the letter, it's again in volume 14, page 104, says that regarding the, the, the dream that the Orzarua had, how to spell the name Akiva, so he says, we have the rule that Torah is Loba Shemaim, Torah is not in the heavens, and that we don't need to pay attention to a baskel, a heavenly voice. So then, how, what is the place where the Orzarul could say, and this is how the name of uh, Akiva should be spelled? He says the point, the Nukud is as follows. The rule that the Torah is not in heaven is regarding making a Psaq Alacha, and on that we don't follow a dream, as that to be the final deciding Factor. However, when you want to verify a true fact, it seems to Mivar the Metzius, you seemingly could go after a dream. However, the Rebbe seems, and he says at the end, that with this name of Akiva, we really have to see what was the Metzius, what was the facts, how did Rebbe Akiva spell his name in those times, and those who followed after him, how did they really spell it? And I think the way I understand it is that it would seem that the Rebbe was more inclined to have you know, proof that the name Akiva was spelled with an off at the end. So we see from here that the Rebbe also basically holds that a dream can verify a fact which was not clear to the poskim if there was no consensus on the issue. However, we have to uh, look at the history and we have to check the facts. If the facts say differently, then, then we don't have to be compelled to follow what someone, even as great as they may have been, had been revealed to them in a dream. Now, there's much more I could say on this. Unfortunately, we'll have to finish. So I'll conclude with the following interesting story as it's towards the end of December time, and I think it's fitting to say such a story. Ramesha Feinstein, of course, was born in 1895, passed away in 1986. He doesn't need any introduction. We know him. So he was a rabbi in, before he came to America in 1937. He was a rabbi. He was living in a city called Lubin. Uh, Lubin. And he, in this, is, this story that I'm going to say is printed in Ingris Moshe, volume 8, page 8. 15. It wasn't written by him, it was written by the people who put the Savior together, but he, he said the story over clearly. He says um, that in the winter of 1922, he visited a community member who was going to pass away, and apparently he was on his last moments of his life. And the person wanted to make a confession. This person, his tongue was inflated, and he looked very disfigured, and he said over the following story. He said that on a Shabbos, it was Parshas Vayera, and he was talking about the daughters of Lot, how, of course, they were impregnated by their father, and, um, and that they named the, their children Ammon and Moab, which hint that Moab, for example, means from my father, etc. And he said, how can it be, this, this Balabayas, he said, how could it be the Mashiach should come from the descendants of some people that were so shameless? that they could mention how they had illicit, relation, illicit relationships with their own father. And uh, he apparently, and he says that uh, he later had a dream, the same man who, who insulted the daughters of Lot, um, he says that two women who dressed very modestly came to, them in a, came to him in a dream, and they said, 
that they should know that what this man did is he insulted them and it was very bad. You should know that they did a very important thing because they, 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 want, they had a lot of merits. They were relatives of Avram Avinu. They, um, you know, they just had a city destroyed. They were saved through angels. Maybe one could come to the conclusion that if they were pregnant, they would not think it was from a physical man. They're going to make a new religion out of this whole story. And it could have been a very bad thing. And they were trying to show a lesson to mankind that there is no such thing that a woman will become pregnant without a physical man. And therefore, that was very, you know, to their merit, to their merit. And therefore, how could he have needlessly insulted them? The man, when he finished the story, as Ramosha tells over, passed away, turned it to the side and passed away on the spot. Ramosha concluded and he commented on this, that he sees that there is an idea of truth to his dream. Why? Since the explanation from it seemed to be a true explanation. And I think that really can conclude this topic, that we have to look at dreams with the content behind them. Uh, maybe there is something we can learn out from any story, especially when it seems to be very, very true. But we'll conclude on that.